Hi there, and welcome back to Brick by Brick. I'm your host, Emily Verbecki, and we're here for another great conversation about Albion's past, present, and its future. And our guest today is a professor in the English department at Albion College and also a resident of the Albion community. Jess Roberts is someone who I have seen all the time, full of energy, love for this community, her community, and we're really excited to learn more about her Albion story during today's conversation. So thanks so much for joining us, Jess. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Emily. So Jess, we ask each of our guests to first share with us their Albion story. What brought you to Albion? How long have you been here? What sort of keeps you here? So can you tell us a bit about your Albion story? Sure. Um, So I was a a graduate student at the University of Michigan, and my sweetheart and co-conspirator, Nels Christensen, uh, was teaching at the U of M while he was a graduate student at MSU when we saw a posting for a position in early American literature at Albion College, which is what I do, um, at the college. And so we applied for that job, um, or I applied for that job. And at the time, Nels was teaching on a U of M program called NELP, which is the New England Literature Program. And so we were invested in staying in Michigan in order to continue that affiliation. Um, And we drove out to Albion to see what it was all about. Uh, And I think that I found the thing that lots of people find, uh, which is sort of irrational and sort of ineffable, um, which is that I came here and I remember standing by the Kalamazoo with Nels um, and our daughter, Emmy Lou, who was about five months old at that time. And uh, I thought, I don't ever want to leave this place. Um, This is the place I want to be. And so uh, we applied for the job. Uh, I got hired. Um, Nels was hired also to teach in the English department um, in a visiting position. And then the next year, a position in his field, environmental literature and writing, opened up and he applied for that position. And so we found the holy grail for uh, English folks, which is two tenure track positions in the same department. Um, And so we came here. And I think that was in I think that was in 2004 or 2005. Um, Emmy Lou was about a year old when we moved here. Uh, and I think, so, so if the thing that brought us here was uh, in part for me a feeling of at-homeness that I couldn't make rational sense of uh, since it happened the first time that I came here, um, there were other things about Albion that we really valued and were drawn to. It was in a Great Lakes state. Um, it was a small town. It didn't look like every other town that I went to with all the same stores. Um, It was meaningfully racially diverse. Um, So all those things were also things that drew us here and enabled us to lay down roots um, or made us want to lay down roots. And then being here, though, uh, and meeting all of the people in Albion who love this place in ways that I had never seen people love a place, I think was part of what made us stay and stay and stay and to have that feeling of not wanting to leave become sort of increasingly rooted in a human experience of this place. So when I just, when I think of the people who love Albion and have been here and have given their life to the community, I think I want to live in a place where people like that live. So I want to live where 
Mayola and Bob Duncan live and where Hazel Elias lives and Eddie Williams lives and Sherry Grice and Marquetta Frost and Nancy Rausch and Peg Turner and the Dobbinses and um, all these people who give out of their lives and minds and hearts to be here. I want to live in a place where all those people live and where they love uh, the place where they live. So it sounds like without that, that probably wouldn't have kept you here, that that has been a really important part of of staying here, even during th- what I would assume would be some challenging times as the school district was annexed, you know, having um, Emmy Lou in the schools um, at that time, there probably were opportunities to say, this isn't, you know, maybe what's best for her, um, or or really feeling optimistic, potentially. Maybe I'm interpreting that wrong, too, or assuming one thing versus another. But was that sort of a part of it, too, along the way? So I think, I mean, I think by that, uh, I think the schools for us in many ways were the thing that enabled us to begin to plug into and become a part of the community in a different sort of way. Um, so I think before Emmy Lou say started at what was then Johnson's daycare, um, sort of we lived a life that was in our home and like along the path that it took us to go to Albion College. And then she started to go to Johnson's and then she went to Caldwell and then she went to Harrington. So by the time that things were uh, really difficult um, in the schools, and we were sort of coming to a place where ultimately the high school would close, and then the middle school grades would close, and then uh, the district would be annexed. By the time we got there, like the schools were a source of incredible uh, like love and belonging for us. And so I think like while those challenges were absolutely challenges, they were never things that made us think about leaving. Um, those were the things. I mean, I think in in many ways. Um, I think the when thing when it became clear how significant the challenges were in the Albion public schools, um, that made me want to dig in more because at that point, um, thanks to the schools, I loved kids who weren't only my kid, and so. Caldwell and Harrington and the Albion Community School weren't just the school where Emmy Lou went. They were the school where um, Tajiana and Fred and Jacoby Stewart went and where Zariah Kemp went and where Malia Frost went and where Jemiah Funderburg and Aaliyah Roberts went and where Tyland Martin went and all the Phillips kids went. And, um, and so like loving those kids made me invested in the school's in a different kind of way. Um, And so the schools kept us here and the challenges kept us here. Uh, Or if they didn't keep us here, they solidified the already being here and not leaving-ness that we Mm -hmm. felt already. Yeah, that's a really interesting narrative that I think is often not sort of discussed. I think people who who weren't, you know, really integral connected to that process and, and with those schools will often jump to the that the annexation process and the scaling down of the school district was exceptionally negative for families and for um, for the community at all, but that there are are people likely like you who see it as a very positive part of the of their kids' stories um, as their educational career and your story as a as a family. Um, and everybody has sort of education as a huge piece of their their family story, um, but that as a big piece of your family story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So 
now on to some of your work um, and your work with the college. Tell us some of um, the courses. Tell us a, a bit about the courses that sure. you teach, um, students that are in your classes and taking your classes each semester. I know you're on sabbatical this semester, working on a lot of awesome projects. But when you do have classes yeah. on your on your docket, sure. wh what do those classes look like, consist of, both yep. within content and, and students, too? Sure. So I teach, um, I think generally speaking, like lots of folks in the English department, I teach two kinds of classes. I teach writing classes and I teach literature classes. So I teach, um, I teach uh, English 100, English 101, and English 208. Those are my three, the three writing classes that I teach. The first two are sort of introductory writing classes, and then 208 is a professional writing class, uh, which I have just started teaching in the last few years. And I love all of those classes. I think they're fantastic. And then I teach literature classes. And um, when I was in graduate school, I specialized in uh, 19th century American literature, which makes me a um, sort of an early Americanist uh, in the lingo of, of English departments. Um, and so I have the opportunity to teach early American literature, which is like a survey class. So from Caveza de Vaca up to uh, the Civil War, um, I have the opportunity to teach uh, classes in the literature of the American Civil War in Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman's poetry. I get to teach a class on the American novel um, this coming fall. And so so those those tend to be the kinds of the kinds of classes that I teach. Uh, and the students who show up in them are both uh, students who are interested in English and students who have absolutely no interest in English. Um, and I think that my, I think a thing that I uh, love and take as the sort of like moral imperative of uh, all people teaching in uh, English departments is to make available experiences for students that enable them to feel uh, the relevance and usefulness of writing and literature in our lives, in our lives as citizens, in our lives as professionals, in our lives as human beings, trying to be alive in a world that is sometimes hard to be alive in. And do you see a good mix, even though you have sort of introductory 100 level classes, are those primarily first year students? Or is it a good mix of some, you know, seniors who are making sure that they have all of their requirements done are also in, in your classes? or is it uh, lean heavy towards first-year students? Sure. So in, uh, in classes like English 100 or in the first-year seminar, uh, uh, I'll have only first-year students. Um, but then in classes like uh, English 101 or in the sort of 200-level survey classes, I'll see all students from first years to seniors. And then when you get up into the 300-level classes, I tend to see mostly juniors and seniors. Many of the students in those upper-level classes are English majors, but many of them aren't, right? They want to satisfy their uh, ethnicity category requirement or their gender category requirement, or they're really interested uh, somehow in literature already, which is great. Um, and and I do get to teach one class that I really love uh, on Moby Dick, which is an honors class. So in that class, I just see students who are, who tend to be first and second year students who are in the honors program at Albion College. So in those opportunities with first year students and being a member of the community, how does your sort of role within the community or being, you know, a professor who lives here in the community, because not all of the professors that they interact with on, in day-to-day in, -day in their schedule actually live in Albion. How do you think that your experience um, teaching those classes is different for, for other uh, students or students who have professors who maybe are out of the community? I guess I'm not sure. I think there are lots of ways to live in the community, and I think there are lots of ways to live out of the community. Um, and I think that 
uh, I think ways that they probably feel feel my Albion identity um, is that uh, I am interested in uh, talking about what is happening in our community, things that are going on, people who are doing amazing and wonderful things, um, and sort of making visible uh, the community that they live in but don't know that they live in yet. Um, and I think sometimes that's just a matter of um, sort of being who I am, how I am in a class where we're talking about subjects and verbs. But I think uh, other times it's a matter of, um, uh, of you know, offering them extra credit in order to come down and find me in the Big Read tent at the Festival of the Forks um, or to making it a requirement to go to the um, celebration for the Big Read um, or to go to um, various sort of cultural events that other people are putting on so that I value in a way that they feel, which is to say by way of points, um, uh, they're having these particular experiences. And then I think there are other ways, though I, I mean, so I've integrated, I've integrated the community sort of structurally into my, into a few of my classes. And I'm not sure you have to live in Albion in order to do that. Um, but I do know that living in Albion uh, and, and being in Albion in the way that I am invested in being in Albion is a matter of like constantly trying to pay attention to things that are happening, to new opportunities, um, to places where my students can go and be and, um, and learn uh, at the same, learn sort of about whatever the content is that we're talking about, but also learn about this amazing, beautiful place uh, that they have the privilege to live in for four years. Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, so you touched on some of those hands-on sort of learning experiences that you're building into your classes. Yep. But are there other ways um, that you're also building out opportunities for students to get connected, to uh, to understand the community that they are now going to learn sure. and um, live in for the next four years? Are there other examples of, of that for, in your classes? So, I mean, this isn't an example of a class, though it is an example of a of a program that involves Albion College students. So so the great joy of my life, uh, in addition to loving Nels and being Emmy Lou's mom, um, is to uh, is to direct Albion's Big Read. So Albion's Big Read uh, is a program that aims to change the world by changing kids' relationships to reading. And we do that in this sort of two-part uh, program where on the, we have the Big Read Youth Leadership Program that runs in the summer from like June until October. And then we have Albion's Big Read Month, um, which is in October. And in the Big Read Youth Leadership Program, we prepare between 20 and 25 uh, rising 8th to 10th graders from Albion to lead book discussions during Albion's Big Read Month, which is a month of programming, all of which is related to a particular book. Um, so we have a kickoff event. We have uh, authors who come in public arts projects, film series, etc. Um, and most importantly, we have these seven discussions of the book led by the kids in the Big Read Youth Leadership Program. And this is connected to Albion College students insofar as there are six Albion College students every year who volunteer in the Big Read Youth Leadership Program. And so... Um, they don't always live in Albion in order to do this. We've had students who have commuted from as far as two hours away to come and have this particular experience. But for those Albion college students, they commit to becoming a part of the Albion Big Read community and in many ways being the creators of that community. So they work with me and with Nels and with 
our assistant director, who's been Maddie Drury, uh, who graduated several years ago now from Albion College, um, and then more recently, Lynette Gumbleton, who graduated last year from Albion College. Um, and those college students come in, and their prime directive is to create an environment of joy and respect um, in which the Albion kids can have an entirely new experience with respect to reading. And I think those six students have a... Um, an intense and even transformative experience with respect to their relationship to Albion, the city, because it stops being an idea and it starts being uh, the place where these people who they come to love live and have their lives. And so they come to know it through stories that the kids tell in the leadership program. They come to know the community because they find themselves in places where they maybe haven't been before. So they're driving through um, the Riverside Cemetery with vans of big read kids in order to see Malcolm X's uncle's grave. Um, or they're going to um, Holland Park West Ward uh, for the big read kickoff event. Um, they're sort of moving around in the space of Albion with people who own that space, which are these kids, and the kids sort of make it um, differently available to the college students. So those those kids transform the relationship that the Albion college students have, I think, to the community of Albion, even as those Albion college students are really deliberately and creatively working to create a community um, for those kids uh, in which they can experience a kind of joy and belonging that I hope is not unique, um, but that might be. It sounds like it, it's a sort of a two-way benefit, both for the college students who maybe even sort of go into it with the, I'm going to be able to create this for the younger students, and but that they very well may walk away from the experience saying, I was on the receiving end of a wonderful gift experience um, and probably also those um, up and coming students too have that sort of same. So they might not both sort of come in with that idea that that's going to be their end experience, but they walk away with that in a way. Yeah. And this year we had, for the first time we had, um, or not for the first time, for the first time this year we had uh, a college volunteer, Akaya Ridley, who was both a student in the Big Read Youth Leadership Program the very first year that we had it. So eighth, ninth, and 10th graders are leaders, and then you age out after the 10th grade year. And Akaya was uh, nominated when she was a rising 10th grader, so she was in the program for a year. Um, and then she came back this year um, as a volunteer and was fabulous in the way that she is fabulous in everything she does. And Demetrius Robinson is also um, a resident of Albion and a Build Albion Fellow um, who was was a volunteer this year also. So it's so that was really exciting because we have we have students who know Albion really well and whose community it is who are college students um, who are both sort of working with local students and who are also sort of uh, developing really close relationships with Albion college students who don't necessarily know Albion yet. And so those six college students who um who are mentors within the big read um program how do they share some of their experiences with their fellow classmates around the the mm-hmm. campus so that that experience is shared even further outside of those six sure so i'm not i'm not sure i have a ready answer for that um i would love it if they were here and they could tell you um 
I think that, I mean, my experience of the college volunteers is that they come to uh, feel a kind of loyalty to Albion's big read that leads me to believe that they um, sort of love it out loud uh, to other students on Albion College's campus. And I do know that uh, that students on Albion College's campus have reached out to say like, oh, can we, is there a way that we can be involved? We've heard about this thing. My friend was one of the college volunteers. Um, can we somehow plug into the Big Green Youth Leadership Program or students who say, I'm really interested in applying to be a college volunteer. Could you tell me more about it? My friend had a really great experience. Um, so I think, I think in that way, um, they sort of uh, spread the good news of the Big Read on on Albion College's campus. And I do know that some of them, and this is, I don't, uh, I know that some of them realize, and this is slightly different, I guess, than, than this, in an answer to the specific question that you asked, but um, some of the students come and they volunteer uh, as college volunteers in the Big Read, and then they realize that they're interested in working with kids when they had never realized that before. So they do it because, you know, I, I don't know why they do it. They do it because uh, they're sort of excited about the ideas, perhaps, that we're excited about. They're interested in sort of connecting to the community in a different sort of way. And then they come in and they realize that they love doing the work that they have the opportunity to do and that they're really good at it. Um, and in uh, at least three cases, those students have decided after the Big Read to join the education program. Um, and so that's really amazing to see the way the Big Read their experience in the Big Read helps them understand their own talents and passions. And then Albion College is a framework that allows them then to move into the education program, um, where I like to think that their sort of excitement about like the beautiful people uh, who are in the Big Read program sort of gets disseminated uh, mm -hmm. also. So it doesn't sound like you have to do much recruiting for your volunteers that through word of mouth now since you've, how long you've been doing the Big, Big Read? This is our sixth year. So there's certainly plenty of students who have experienced that as from the volunteer um, position that have been able to sort of share their experiences. And maybe it's a little bit easier that you have people approaching you and saying, how do I get involved um, and have to do maybe even just a little less recruiting for those sure. individuals, which yep. is good. And I'm sure the yep. education department appreciates that <laughs> you've helped encourage and foster um, some future educators as well. Um, so there are, and you certainly are a part of many conversations across the community, um, you know, as a member of the Albion College faculty, you have a unique perspective of an understanding sometimes between the college and the community and the relationship there, but with your engagement and, uh, connectedness within the community for the big read, that I have to imagine that you're a part of conversations you know, that are wide-ranging, um, but that at times you may be a part of those conversations and think, I wish we were also talking about this, or I think we're missing an opportunity to talk about X or Y. Do you have those thoughts, and is there anything that comes to mind that you feel like Albion isn't yet 
talking about that they they should be or or do you feel like we're starting to hit some of those key components that you feel like will be helpful for Albion's long-term success both as a community and as a college community mm. Mm. what comes to mind for you so I think that I think the thing that I um and most invested in people talking about uh, is probably a thing that people are already talking about, but I don't think we can talk about it enough and I don't think we can talk about it loudly enough. And that is the amazing talent and beauty in the young people in Albion. Um, I think the more that we have conversations about the fact of that talent and beauty, um, the more we have conversations about um, how to offer as many opportunities as possible um, to all of our kids, how to expand the networks of support for all of our kids, um, the better. And I think that I feel like I feel like I, every time I turn around, there are these um, fantastic opportunities for young people to show their incredible talents. Um, so the 4-H Creative and Expressive Arts Program, I think just like those those girls who get up and sing like blow the doors off of every building that they walk into and we cannot celebrate them enough. Um, I think we can't celebrate enough the kids who like uh, helped put together the Black History Month program through Kids at Hope. I think that we can't celebrate enough the kids who um, go to France and risk having this like profoundly different experience that is somehow absolutely global and absolutely Albion all at the same time. And I think that the more we support the many people who are making those things happen, the better. Um, so I like the conversations that recognize like, uh, like Wanda Kemp for her like work on the Black History Month program or Temple Stovall for like running the NAACP Youth Quiz Bowl team or Diane Ginnanlelli and Mary Slater and Mayola Dunklin for the Sister City Committee, um, Harry Bonner for all the work at Kids at Hope. Like it just like, I think the more that we celebrate the kids um, loud enough so that they hear us and that they hear that celebration um, from me and from you and from people all over our community, um, I think the better. The better for the kids and the better for all of us because I think they are a source of celebration and pride um, and we should celebrate them and we should feel, we should create ways for them to feel proud and for ways for us to feel proud um, of them, of all of them. Yeah, that's outstanding. I, I couldn't agree more um, as, you know, sort of fellow educator. And uh, I, I, I agree. I, I want to create a community that kids, even if they go and have the experiences like learning in other places, mm -hmm. other universities, other colleges, mm -hmm. that they are so excited to share about their experiences mm -hmm. That, and that they know that they had valuable experiences and everybody acknowledged their value within their community and yeah. so that they go and share it with others and also are looking forward to their own kids having a similar experience or if they aren't a, a, somebody who thinks that kids are what's right for them, that they are passionate enough to support the kids that are, are in their community. Yeah. Um, I think that that's, that's outstanding. Yeah. So. Keep talking loudly <laughs> okay. about those. Okay. How about that? That sounds good. So certainly your time is 
awfully consumed by everything that you're passionate about and your family and working on campus and Albion's big read. And we always kind of end our our conversations about if somebody were to run into you around town, not having something to do with big read or not uh, teaching a class, what else might they find you doing in Albion if they ran into you? Um, I, well, I, I don't know what they find me doing. I know the places where they might find me. So they'd find me at Lewis Chapel or they'd find me at Holland Park or they'd find me at the Foundry or at the Malibu or at the Bohm. They'd find me at the Lettington Center. They'd find me at the Dog Park. Uh, they'd find me along the Kalamazoo River and I'm on that amazing trail now that goes through the cemetery. I think they would find me out in the world being alive, maybe reading, maybe writing, um, certainly loving the place where I am, the people who I get to see because I'm there. Outstanding. Jess, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to everybody getting the opportunity to listen to this conversation. I can't wait. Um, It's been a pleasure certainly learning a bit more about your work as an English professor and a bit more about the history of Albion's Big Read and how it connects the community and the college together for students and for the community as a whole. I appreciate all your work. Thanks. We look forward to having you back this fall to even talk more in depth about Big Albion, the Albion Big Read. So if you, as you're listening, are wondering what does 2020 look like for Albion's Big Read program, we're going to have Jess back um, to talk specifically about that and how individuals here in the community and listeners even who maybe don't live here but can also participate in Albion's Big Read, we're going to talk more about how those individuals can get involved. So thank you again for all your passion that you bring to your work, for your students, and in Albion. We really appreciate it. Thanks. For all our listeners, if you have feedback or suggestions about who we should interview, please get in touch with us uh, by our website, downtownalbion.com, or leave us a comment on one of our episodes. We also hope that you'll join us next time on Brick by Brick. Make sure that you've subscribed either by iTunes or SoundCloud.com. And you could also find and listen to each episode on our website, downtownalbion.com forward slash Brick by Brick. But until next time, we hope to see you around town.